You're now listening to the Bar Stars Podcast, where we explore health, longevity, and performance. I'm your host, Edward Checo, and we'll be diving deeper into topics I've been studying for the last 10 years as a catastatics expert. What's up, everyone? It's Edward Checo from Bar Stars, and I'm here today with a special guest, my personal training partner, Noemi Henriquez. Now, I met Noemi about two years ago. She came into Dykeman Park with a yoga background, and she wanted to get more into calisthenics. Since then, she's mastered the muscle-up, uh, picked up a handstand, competed in multiple calisthenics competitions, as well as won a couple. Now, Noemi has a background and a bachelor's in exercise science. She's a master yoga trainer, and she's currently writing a book on her fitness journey. Noemi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So, Noemi, let us know how you got started with exercise. Okay, so uh, when I was a kid, I did not exercise at all. If anything, I loved to watch TV. My favorite TV show is like the Powerpuff Girls, and I would just like sit in front of the TV and eat peanut butter. That was my thing. Um, when I well, one of them is really strong, right? <laughs> yes, uh, Buttercup. I mean, they're all strong, but Buttercup is like the more angry, aggressive one, and I always related to her a little bit more. But um, I am a little bit more like Bubbles now. That's the sensitive one that uh, cries a lot, but whatever. I interchange between both of them. But I started exercising when I went to college. Um, I don't know. I, I just wanted to feel better. I, like, again, I had like a lot of anger issues, and I didn't know how to manage my emotions. So um, I Googled, like, how do I stop feeling so angry? And yoga came up as one of them. And so I youtube yoga videos it was like the first random one for beginners and i started doing that and i felt so awesome after doing it and i was like i gotta do this forever and then i eventually became a yoga teacher and i um uh, became a, a exercise science major and i learned the science behind the exercise and the yoga and why it's all awesome for us and from there it's just been fitness every day all right so at what point did you decide to pursue calisthenics so well, yoga is pretty much calisthenics. Like you're only using your body weight. It's a little bit more flowy and I would say more graceful. And it's more than just the physical part. You're also incorporating meditation. You're incorporating um, the eight limbs of yoga. I don't know, all of them off the top of my head. I haven't done uh, that side of yoga in a while. I've been more calisthenics in recent years, but I just really wanted to get a handstand at that point. And since yoga is not necessarily all about the handstand, uh, I learned that you have to be super consistent with it and be and be really strong and flexible to have a handstand. So I felt like by doing more calisthenics, I'd be able to achieve this goal, which I did, which was really nice. awesome. How long did it take you from uh, your first calisthenics class to the moment you're able to hold a handstand? I would say it took like a year or so, but I wasn't consistent in that time. So I repeat this a lot on my Instagram and to people who ever ask me questions, how do you get X, Y, Z? And... The foundations of that is just being consistent because if you're not consistent, just from experience, you're going to spend a lot of time plateauing and you won't get to your goal as fast. All right. Speaking of consistency, uh, it took you a long time. So I, I remember training with Noemi and I remember you had the strength and the possibility to do the muscle up. Yes. And I felt like you had it for a long time. I would say a, a couple of months where it's like you got to pull a bar right to your chest, but you didn't go quite over. And uh, I remember always telling you, like, you have it. You're right there. You're a week away. Now, what would you say was your personal uh, dilemma with the muscle-up? And then what finally changed that made you get the muscle-up? 
Honestly, just like what you were saying, you you were telling me that I'm not trying hard enough. And it's one thing to, in your head, be like, yeah, I'm trying. And then actual actuality and life, are you really trying? And I took a good look when you said we were like having dinner with a, a bunch of friends. And I was just like, damn, I really want to get the muscle up. I was kind of frustrated at that point. And you're like, Noemi, you have it. You're just not trying hard enough. And you're not training like you want it. And you're not being consistent enough. And you know, when someone gives you the the cold, hard facts in your face and you're face to face with them, you kind of just like, oh, shit, like, I really am not trying hard enough. So from that point on, I was trying to get the muscle up. I would train it like maybe once in a while. It was like very like, eh, yeah, I guess I want the muscle up. I didn't see it at the time, but now looking back, I'm like, yeah, you really didn't want to get it at that point. You told me that and I went home later and I cried a little bit it wasn't like bawling or anything like that it was just like a little tear like out of frustration because there's been many other things in my life that I uh, tried and failed at and then because I failed a few times I stopped trying at it but with this one I was just like you know what I want to get it to prove to myself that I can see something all the way to the end and um the, and see the hard uh, labor the hard the fruits of my labor and yeah, from there, I was like, okay, I need to lose a little bit of weight because the lighter you are, the easier certain calisthenics moves are. So That's I started, definitely true. Yeah, so I started paying attention to my diet and how I was eating. I was eating relatively healthy, but I was eating large portion sizes. So um, I hired a coach to help me out to figure out my macros. So I figured out macros when I was in college, but it's one thing to know the information and another thing to actually execute it. I find that having accountability definitely helps. So that's what Bar says this community has been for me. It's like I know people are watching and um, I know that I have to show myself to somebody. So I'm like, okay, I want to perform my best and do my best. You can't tell on Instagram like, hey, I'm going to do a muscle up. And then yeah, <laughs> a year later, it's like, what's going on? Yeah, exactly. It's like I, I and I look I record mostly everything. And um, I was looking at videos and pictures of myself exactly a year prior. You know how iPhone gives you like those memories or like Snapchat. It's like, oh, look what you were doing a year ago. And one of my fears is just looking back and nothing has changed. Like maybe a few things. But then you look back, you're like, what the hell have I been doing for the past 365 days? That feels so like I haven't been doing anything. Time is flying and I'm staying stagnant. And, and I don't want that to be me at all. So now 2019 i look back at 2018 i see completely night and day and that makes me so proud and happy and it makes me have more motivation for 2020 like okay i want to beat 2019 me so i'm always just comparing myself to myself which um definitely helps me stay motivated for sure i think that's the healthiest is to compare yourself to yourself yeah all right so you finally got the muscle up so now, explain now on the technical aspect what changed so your pull-ups stayed the same or did you focus more on pull-ups? Did you start yes. incorporating muscle-up specific training? And then how much weight did you lose from the moment you weren't able to do the muscle-up to the moment you got the muscle-up? Okay. So I was pretty strong when I first met you guys for a girl, I would say. Like most girls don't do pull-ups. Most girls aren't doing a crazy amount of push-ups. I think when I met you guys, I was a little bit under 10 pull-ups and maybe like 20 push-ups straight without breaking which is most more than most girls even i think even more than most guys you know yeah which is surprising i'm i'm over here thinking and that's another thing i i've i'm definitely more confident i think confidence makes a huge difference if you're not 
confident for a, a move like the muscle up, which is very explosive. If you're not confident with it, you're going to keep stopping halfway and you want to have the confidence to just do the whole thing in like the few seconds that it takes to do a muscle up. But I started to get my pull-ups uh, game stronger. So I went from barely hitting 10, like I could hit it, but the last two were like making a face and a struggle to getting up to 15. And the last one was a little bit of a struggle, but not as much as the struggle as 10 was. And I have the before How many days a week were you doing pull-ups? I was doing pull-ups about three to four times a week. I uh, just wanted to make sure that I had some time to recover because that's another thing prevalent in the calisthenics community. I feel like in the fitness community, people think that you have to train seven days a week. Yep. Uh, hard, balls to the wall, when honestly, a lot of people would fare better if they focused on more frequency and less intensity. Like if they, you could work out every single day, but varying in like heavy, medium, light or um, different rep schemes, different volumes and incorporating a deload week. Instead of like, I'm going to do a thousand pushups every day for 30 days, which is nice in theory. And it's a nice Instagram challenge. But if you do that 365, you know, for a year, you're, you're going to get injured. Yeah. You're going to develop like tendonitis and hopefully nothing where you rip anything because that will take you out for a little bit. And if it's just pushups, a terrible imbalance. Exactly. Especially if you're doing it fast, too, with terrible technique. Because um, remember, you want to do this for longevity. If you're doing this for like, okay, I have a competition and I need to, you know, smoke everybody at the competition, like at what cost you win, but then, you know, you have a busted wrist and then you can't provide for you and your family and then you're in pain for the rest of your life. Like, Perfectly well said. Exactly. Yeah, I, I feel like a, a lot of people have the short goal in mind and they change super intense for it, but don't understand the long term risk, you know, like if you get injured... Of course, you're not going to get to the muscle up because you're injured. So now you're off for a year. And now if you look at the grand scheme of things, yeah, you move faster for like that short amount of time. But overall, you're you're behind. And I use the muscle up as an example, but I've seen it done on freestyle movements, on weighted reps. I've seen it done on many different exercises with many different goals. I think uh, things like you said of incorporating uh, intense days with low intense days and having a deload week are, are super important. Yeah. But then going back to the muscle up, so definitely I got my pull ups up to about 15 or so. You want to have a really strong pull uh, just because the pull up, the muscle up is an explosive pull. And I started working on straight bar dips. I tried to get up to about 15 straight without stopping. And my band, a lot of people who follow me on Instagram know that I would just post me and my and my band. And I started with a, with two bands at one point, it's like a very thick one and then like another lighter one. So I, I want to say like it was giving me like 50 pounds of resistance. I don't know the exact number on the band. Well, it's helping you. So it'd be assistance, right? Yes, it's assistance. So it's like if I weigh 150 pounds and the band has 50 pounds of resistance, then it's like 100 pounds that I'm lifting. If you want to do that fake number math. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after that, I was like, okay, trying to get up to 10, 10 repetitions. And then I would bring the band lower so it's less and less resistance. And so I was practically muscling up with a string. And I guess I stayed with that tiny string for a while because, again, it was a mental thing. I was like, oh, I need the band to do the muscle. Without the band, I can't muscle up. But, again, I thought about to the beginning of everything that I've ever tried and failed at. And I'm like, if you want to get something you've never attained, you have to do something you've never done before. So I increased the amount of times that I was training the muscle up and increased my pull-up strength. 
I lost about uh, 20 pounds, I would say. So I was around wow, 150. Yeah, yeah, 151. And now I'm down to 131. And I did that slowly over time. So my coach helped me out with my macros. And um, I focused on a higher carb to lower uh, fat ratio. And I kept protein at one gram per pound of body weight. Because uh, the protein will help you preserve your muscle. When you're in a caloric deficit... Uh, you're going to get smaller overall. And- wait, wait, okay, so I want this podcast to gear to like uh, everyday people. So okay. let's take it step by step. Yes. So we're going to go back to how you got the muscle up. So you trained the pull-up, uh, straight bar dips, and uh, you lost weight. So now on the losing weight part, yes. how do you eat to lose weight? Explain what calories are, how do you eat at a deficit, and how you should track your macros if you want to do it at home. Okay. So I'm pretty sure more so everybody knows what a calorie is. It's just a, a unit of energy that food provides us. And certain foods have more calories than others, depending on its volume. So like uh, dried cranberries, if you have about 100 grams of that, uh, if you want to visualize that, it has way more carbs than if you had 100 grams, the same weight of watermelon, right? Just because the caloric density of cranberries is higher than a watermelon, which is mostly water. And so... There's this thing called energy balance. When you lose weight, you are consuming less calories than what you're expending. So if you work out really hard, you you have a very active lifestyle. Let's say you burn 3,000 calories in your day. And but you, then, you also burn calories just being alive. So if you exactly. wake up and you stay in your bed the whole day, you, you still your body still needs calories to run your lungs, your liver, your brain. Yes. And uh, what's the average is 2,000? Yes. Which is, you shouldn't go on the average. But it's, it's a super rough average. It, it depends varying on your size, your weight, and your activity level, which is where Noemi was at. Yeah, exactly like that. So, um, yeah, just with the, you could say 4,000 calories that you burn in a day. If you're taking into account just you laying in bed, you're doing nothing because you need energy just to sustain life. If you had no, if you ate no Wait, 4,000 is the example, hypothetical example. Yes. Reason, right? yes. Most people don't burn 4,000. No. <laughs> no. 4,000 is like an Olympic athlete. Exactly. But and let's say you're you're eating two thousand, which is like the quote unquote standard that the American guidelines gives you. So you're in a caloric deficit of two thousand calories, and then it takes three thousand five hundred calories to burn one pound off. So then little by little, if you're in a caloric deficit, you can start to lose weight that way. And also the opposite, if you're trying to gain weight, I'm assuming you're trying to gain muscle and not fat, uh, so you could get strong and get your gains. Let's say you're burning the same amount, 4,000 calories, and you're consuming 5,000 calories of food, which is also a lot. It's probably like Olympic level. <laughs> a lot of people, actually, you'll be surprised. A lot of people will body 5,000 calories at brunch, all those mimosas and then like nice <laughs> fatty foods. You never know. Uh, but yeah, you, you won't be a thin person unless you're an Olympic athlete consuming 5,000 calories. Exactly. And you're working out really, really hard. But you'll be in a surplus of 1,000 calories. And that's how you gain weight. So what I did was um, figure out my maintenance calories, the amount of calories I would eat without losing or gaining any weight. So that's where you start off. You want to have a nice template to begin with. Just like if you're tracking your finances, you're like, I'm trying to save money. The first thing you need to do is, what the hell are you spending your money on? What are you spending your money on? And you want to just see what... um, the, your finances and Chase Bank or whatever. Let's use it. your exact numbers. So how much was your maintenance? And how did you determine your original maintenance? So my coach is what helped me. There's a, a lot of calculators online, but 
I hired a coach to help me figure that out just so I know the exact numbers and not to take out all the guesswork out of it because sometimes the calculators will give you a number, but that's not your exact number. The body is very complicated. Like your maintenance calories are not an exact number. It's a, a, a variance. It can be anywhere from, let's, so my number was around 2,000 calories. So I, I was the average. And so my- So that means if you ate 2,000 calories, you wouldn't lose weight or gain weight, you would stay the same, which was at the time, how much? 151. Okay. Yes. And so we started there. And because I wanted to preserve some muscle, we had a very conservative caloric deficit. So if you have too large of a caloric deficit, you uh, risk losing muscle mass, which is completely against my goals. I want to get stronger and I don't want to lose any type of muscle. So we started there. We cut off like 100 or 200 calories like that and then little by little just depending on how i felt my energy levels training levels and my goals we were cutting little by little depending on how my weight and how i look because i was also taking pictures front back side to side because um, when you track your body fat it's not always as accurate either the only accurate way to figure out your body fat is pretty much well the dexa scan is also pretty accurate accurate but the most accurate is death and then like them taking all your fat and putting on a scale but that's not realistic to do alan strong actually has a great video where he tests all the different body fat measurements and hires two professional coaches to guess and pretty much every single number he comes up with is different so uh i think the general advice is to use one method and just keep using that same method but also go by the way you look exactly yeah because then it's like i'm not attached to numbers like that i just use numbers for their purpose for me to track the goals and just see how things are so i can make an intelligent decision because if I, I recommend that people actually track their food if they don't have any type of um like eating disorder or any type of mental issue around tracking because you don't want to make it worse but i think it's helpful for at least a week so people understand the nutritional component of foods because a lot of times people want to lose weight and they're doing all the things that they need to do but they they just can't figure out why most of the time, people underestimate how many calories they're consuming, and then they overestimate how many calories they're burning. So that is so true. I so many, I know. I think everyone listening to this yeah. knows someone who's had a workout and goes, "Oh, I earned this, you know, cheeseburger." But little do they know, the cheeseburger really is equivalent to like four workouts. Yes, <laughs> and I was a big per. I was one of those people. Um, and mind you, I have an exercise science degree, so it's like the literature is always changing, and you know, you're not always right. A lot of what I've learned is through pure experience. Um, you can learn as much as you want, but like unless you really go through it, you'll never really be able to speak from the heart and know exactly how it is. But yeah, I was one of those people that I was just eating a lot of healthy things, but in huge quantities, large portion sizes. I was eating like, you know, typical Dominican, but more a little bit on the healthier side. I was eating plantains, but I wasn't frying them. I was having chicken, but I wasn't frying the chicken. And um looking back it's like wow i was eating a lot i would estimate even before that before we found my maintenance like probably like three to four k so it's really easy to just go over if you're drinking juice drinking alcohol you're drinking a lot of stuff like empty calories it's easy for that to rack up but um yeah uh what was the question you were asking me before where's i leading with this how to how to track your calories oh yeah so I use my fitness pal. Um, when I first started, it was kind of complicated. You're trying to figure out things. Uh, so I looked at it as like a scientist where, you know, when you're experimenting, not everything's going to go perfect. You're trying to 
take take in variables and take out variables and figure out what works best for you. So um, what I did was I started off with the easier things to track, the things that already have a nutritional component to it. Like if you have like a candy bar and you scan it with the MyFitnessPal, you're allowed to scan things. The numbers come up for you. So let's say it's 30. So most packaged foods have a barcode. Yeah. Uh, MyFitnessPal uh, could like have a scanner and it scans the barcode and then the nutrition facts will come up for that. So yeah, if it has a barcode, MyFitnessPal... And my fitness pal also has competitors. This is not a sponsorship for my fitness pal. Yeah, that's uh, the one that was the easiest for yeah. me to use. Um, I like their interface and it works for me. It's easy to track stuff. But um this so that's the easy part of tracking. What's more difficult with tracking are things that don't have a label and things that you haven't made yourself. So let's say an apple, right? And it doesn't have a label something from nature, right? You're like, how many cows does this have? This doesn't have a barcode. I can't even scan it. So my fitness pal or any other um, calorie tracker, you Google it, you Google nutrition facts, you weigh the apple, let's say the apple weighs 200 grams. And then you Google 200 grams of apple nutrition facts. It'll come up for all different types of apples. Yeah. So if you want to try <laughs> calories, you want to, some things you want to buy is a food scale. Yes. Uh, measuring cups. That's pretty much it. You don't need that much. And measuring spoons. I don't even use that because honestly, with cups and spoons, like one teaspoon, it depends. Like it could be a heaping teaspoon, or like a lot of people will fill it up to the to the brim and then a little bit more. Yeah. But if you just weigh it, like okay, this is how many ounces, this many grams, it's a, more accurate than just like I had two cups of this. So like you sure. wanna you wanna aim for the most accuracy as possible. For me, I hate measuring liquids because uh, sometimes it gets on the scale and the scale gets all icky. So I use the measuring cup to just fill it up to the rim, and then just like dump it in. For example, if I'm making oatmeal and I pour milk, I pour two half cups of milk into a little thing instead of you know putting it into a bowl and scaling it. But you could do both ways. I just have a preference of measuring cups and measuring spoons. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I think that you should, because the thing with tracking is that it does get tedious sometimes. I recommend tracking the best that you can for you and, and staying consistent with that. So if you're going to be using spoons and in in cups, use that all the time. Because if you start going from grams to cups, then you're going to start to see a little bit of inaccuracy with the way that you're tracking. But then the third thing that's really difficult to track is foods that you don't make. So let's say you go to a restaurant and you order like something. You did not see how this food was made. The chef didn't make it uh, right in front of your face. You don't know how much oil they use. You don't know the weight of the chicken if you got chicken or like um, if you're vegan, like the amount of um, oils and, and nuts that they use, for example. And uh, you want to just at this point, that's where you want to take all your previous background and make the best possible decision that you can. So um, you see when I eat out, when so after our Bar Stars classes, sometimes we eat out. Um, they can attest that I'm not crazy and I don't bring my scale, mm -hmm. my food scale with me. I don't weigh things um, if it's not in my house and I made it. Just because that's a boundary for me, I'm not competing in any type of bodybuilding competition where things have to be to the letter. I'm, there's not thousands of dollars on the line on depending on how I look. I do this for fun and for fitness and just to feel great in a dress, for example. So I look at it and I make the most educated guess. So if I'm going out and we're going out somewhere, um, I'll have a salad with a piece of lean meat protein. Or if I don't want to eat meat that day, I'll have something else. And I will try to um, match my numbers more or less. So I know that fries have a lot of carbs and fat. 
So I won't order a whole order of fries by myself. Sometimes I like to share with my friends and that uh, mitigates some of the calories. So at least I have half of it. And I still um, have my cravings because like I'm not going to deprive myself because I want to look a certain way. I want to have fun and eat fun food sometimes. I've adopted like an 80-20 rule where it's like 80 percent whole foods 20 percent ice cream cookies cake all the fun which, stuff. which is perfectly fine if you want to lose weight and you're tracking your calories because then you can understand you know like let's say you have a snickers and you understand you have to have a little less food later i think uh there's trouble when people come up with an 80 20 rule but then they're not tracking calories and their goal is weight loss because mm-hmm. then you kind of like overestimate that little bit of ice cream that you consider at 20 yes. but if you're tracking it's perfectly fine you could have ice cream even every day and still lose weight correct yes that is so true um when I'm some Instagrammer, I forget his name, but he ate like a Big Mac every single day for a month in conjunction with an 80-20 diet. So like the rest of his day, he was eating a normally perfectly diet. Like he was eating fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and then he just have a Big Mac for lunch. But it was within his calorie deficit. He was tracking it and uh, he lost weight throughout that whole 30 days. And I love that because... There's a lot of people who are either at two ends of the spectrum. They're like, no, you have to eat super clean. Or there's people that are like, no, don't track your foods. You're going to turn into an evil maniac. And I just feel like, why can't you just meet somewhere in the middle where you're loosely tracking so you have an idea and you have knowledge, you can make an educated guess. But you're not also like everything's clean. And then if you see like fries in front of you, you're just like, I don't eat that. And you have like a pretentious attitude towards people who do eat that stuff. I feel like... Eat the foods that make you happy. And you know what? If you, and again, you don't have to track your food in order to lose weight. I just find that that worked well for me because I had no concept of portion sizing. I was one of those people that was like, I'm eating healthy. Why am I not losing weight? Yeah. And then I'm just like, okay, I need to look at what I'm, what I'm eating. And, you know, when you have everything laid out, just like when you were uh, telling me about the muscle up, when people just hold up facts to you, you just can't deny it. And then that's when oh, you pe- can some make people, it. Some people will deny it. <laughs> some people will deny it. I'm one of those people that's like, okay, let me not deny it. Like, I I, I want to get better. And if you want to get better, you can't lie. To, like, you can lie to anyone else. If you lie to yourself, that's just when things won't change at all. True. And uh, so there's there's multiple different diets that people follow and swear by for weight loss. Uh, mm-hmm. Keto, paleo, vegan. All these work in the spectrum of calories in, calories out. So yes. no matter what you eat, if you lost weight, it's because you ate less calories. So no diet breaks this rule. And I feel like it's something that a, a lot of uh, pseudoscientists debate. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. Uh, just because let's say if you start going keto... You start following the keto diet, which is a diet where your fats are higher than your carbs. And pretty much the basis of that is that your body is going into ketosis and it'll help you lose more weight that way, more fat. And you have to take into consideration that if you were eating cookies and junks and a lot of calories before keto, and then you come and restrict your calories and you eat less carbs, you're... Also, carbs retain water, so right away you're losing water weight anyway. It's not necessarily fat. And you're just eating less calories. Same thing with vegan. You just cut out a whole food group of meats, so you're consuming less calories. The Mediterranean diet, you're cutting out a bunch of foods, so you're eating less calories. Um, What's the other one that you mentioned? There's Um, so many. If you're doing paleo, you're just cutting out foods. If you cut cut any food group, it's an easy way to restrict calories. Pick the food group and you cut it out, maybe with the exception of vegetables. You're going to lose yeah. some type of weight. 
I lost I lost weight on keto. I lost weight on paleo. I lost weight on slow carb. I lost weight as a vegetarian. I've lost weight every which way you could think of, but I've never been under the illusion that I didn't do it through calorie deficit. Yeah. Same thing with intermittent fasting. Even though I found there's some great research to fasting, um, just from a health standpoint, uh, giving your body a little bit. Yeah, all I'm saying is uh, based on losing weight and gaining weight. Yeah. yeah. I think you have different arguments, and I hope to explore this on this podcast, uh, on the health benefits of specific diets and specific foods. But losing weight and gaining weight has to do with calories. Yeah, for sure. So um, right now, where I am in my calorie counting, um, I'm going through a reverse diet now. So that's another... Um, Explain what a reverse diet is. So a reverse diet is when you hit your goal, right? You lost all this weight. You dieted all the way down. And uh, the lowest my calories went to was like 1,500 or so, right? And What's an exact example? What do, you, what do you eat? What's a breakfast? How many meals do you have? Three? I eat... Yes, I eat three meals with a few snacks in between. So what would be your... What's 1,500 calories in a day for you? So my favorite breakfast is actually vegan. Um, I love having cream of wheat. In Spanish, it's called farina. And um, it's kind of like the cousin to grits. And uh, I love it because it has a lot of fiber in it. It makes me feel full. So I have that with almond butter. And sometimes I'll add like a dollop of uh, Greek yogurt to it. And sometimes some hemp seeds or some walnuts to give it a little bit of a crunch. And that's my breakfast. Sometimes I'll also have a very um, small protein shake. I'll have like half a scoop and mix it with almond milk and um, some pumpkin spice. Uh, that's the new thing that's at Whole Foods where they mix cinnamon, <laughs> uh, nutmeg, and cloves together to make this quote-unquote pumpkin spice. It's just the season. And uh, so that's breakfast. And then I'll have an apple somewhere in between because I'm in school going between clients. I like to grab stuff that I can just have on the go. Um, so I'm not carrying like food all over the place, all over the city. For lunch, I'll usually have like pita with vegetables and I'll put um, either chicken or um, uh, lean turkey into it. And uh, I'll throw some avocados in there. I love avocados. And for dinner, I'll have um, some type of meat, like maybe uh, shrimp, some fish, uh, shrimp or salmon with a salad or um, brown rice and beans with uh, more tomatoes. I love tomatoes. Uh, maybe I'll throw some hummus on there. And and then another snack I would have. I love cottage cheese as well. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much what a day of eating looks like for me. It changes here and there, like on the weekends if I'm with friends. I'll, um, so this is a good thing that I do, that uh, a habit that, that works for me, is if I know I'm meeting up with my friends later, I know my friends necessarily don't necessarily track their calories and they like to eat we like to go to places where it's more it's higher in carbs and fat so before i leave the house i'll just eat more protein type foods and so then i can save some calories so for later the in the importance day. of protein when tracking calories protein if you're trying to lose weight and you're in a caloric deficit uh protein will help you maintain muscle mass it'll help you keep your shape and curves and keep your strength as well. And it helps you keep you satisfied so that you're not a, a ravaging, hungry lion most it's the, of the day. It's the one that makes you feel the most full compared to yes. carbohydrates and fats. Yes, it has a higher, it has like a, a thermogenic effect where it's like it requires more energy to break down protein than it does carbs and fats. I actually felt that this morning. I had Greek yogurt for breakfast and I was looking at the calories. One of the small container just to get to like, like 300 calories is so much yogurt. I had to like force it down my mouth and just like <laughs> it was it was tough. So yeah, protein is really 
makes it really convenient to get full fast. Yeah, exactly. Um, I try to stick to one gram per pound of body weight. So I started off at 140 grams of protein. And now I'm, since I'm reverse dieting, which is you hit the end of the, of your mark of your diet. And this is where people the start to get. The end of your diet would be when you got to your goal weight. Exactly. Where you feel comfortable and I'm not competing in bodybuilding. So I'm not like the leanest I've ever been in, in my life or not the leanest that I could ever be in my life, but lean enough where I feel comfortable because it comes at a cost. Getting lean comes at a cost where you have to avoid certain events. You have to avoid certain foods and you have to maintain a certain level of activity to stay that shredded. I know a lot of people on Instagram make it seem like it's easy, but it's not. Uh, so you it's a hit on your social life. Those, yeah. A lot of people kind of just live on Instagram. And then go home, go to bed, and that's it. Like you're, you're actually seeing the highlight of their day when they post. Yeah, exactly. And I, and you know what? In that journey, you kind of realize, like, you might start off like, yeah, I want to look like this person, and you see the person, it's like they're like shredded as hell, and like they get paid for that too, so that they have that added motivation. If they don't look like that, they don't get paid, or they don't win, or the competition, or or what have you. But um, again, I was like, you know what? I want to be happy where. I look a certain way that makes me happy, but I'm also happy with my social life. And, um, you know, my friends are like, hey, let's go here. Let's go have dinner here. And I'm like, oh, this doesn't fit my calories. Like, I don't want to do that. There are certain things I still do say no to because you have to have boundaries. Like, if you say yes to every time you go out, you say yes to every drink, you won't get to your goal. With- no, no Cheesecake Factory for you? No, I'll go to Cheesecake Factory and I'll body a whole cheesecake by myself. <laughs> But, you know, because I want to look a certain way and, and achieve certain things, I'll share it with someone or I won't eat the whole thing. Because when you think about it, a lot of us also don't aren't, aren't in tune with our hunger cues. We just eat because we're bored and tired, emotional. And I definitely was an emotional eater where, like, I'm not even hungry, but let's say I'm angry or I got into an argument with somebody or something happened to me and I don't want to feel that certain way. And I eat like Snickers. I love Snickers and that makes me happy. I'll eat the Snickers so I can feel better. But then if you make that a habit, then that's not conducive to your goals. So that's where you kind of have to find different avenues of how to make yourself feel better. That's not food. For me, um, since I'm a yoga teacher, I try to meditate. It works some of the time. Some of the time it doesn't. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not going to sit here and be like, yes, meditate and it's going to change your life. It's like it works for a little bit. And uh, it has to be a consistent thing. Like there's been certain times where um, let's say I'm angry and I'm aware of like, okay, I really want a piece of cake right now. And like, I'm looking at it. I'm in Whole Foods. I'm walking around. They have the best Tres Leche cake. I'm eyeing it. Like, okay, it fits my budget. And then I'm like, okay, I'm like, do I really want this Tres Leche cake? And is it going to make me feel better? Yes, in the short term, but then in the long term, I'm going to beat myself up and be like, yo, like you said you wanted to look a certain way and be this strong and look at what you're eating. Like, look at how, look, look at what you're putting in your mouth. So I'm in the present moment. I'm rationalizing this and I'm like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have it right now because I know I'm emotional. But let's say if it's my birthday, I'm not going to sit here and be like, no, I'm not going to have this cake because no, I'm going to have the cake. Or let's say it's someone else's birthday, special occasions for me. Um, that's when I'm like, okay. But let's say if I look past the last seven days and all I've been eating is shit, and then it's like, okay, you got to put the stop at one point. Like, are you going to keep eating like this forever? No. Um, so the reverse diet? Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so bring us back to the reverse dieting again. So so what's the process of the reverse diet and what's the purpose of it? The purpose of a reverse diet is to bring you back up to your maintenance calories, but maintain more or less your new body weight because let's say, okay, I got down to 1500 calories and now I'm 132 pounds. Um, technically, I have to continue to eat those 1500 calories to maintain that weight. But if you reverse diet, uh, you're adding back calories slowly. And when you're adding back calories, your NEAT levels, which is just the the um, calories you burn walking around, living your life, they start to go up too because carbs and fats give you energy to live your life. So when you're dieting down, you'll start to feel tired. You get a little cranky. And so you're not moving as much. So that's why sometimes your weight stalls. Remember what NEAT stands for? Is like non-exercise activity or something? Non-exo... So what, what NEAT... You know, even though we don't know abbreviation, <laughs> knee is like the the activity you do during the day that that's not exercise related. So kind of like if you know people that move their leg up and down, yeah, uh, fidgety pe- people, people that just like chew on their random teeth, you know, stuff How like you that. How you chew on your teeth? Well, so, you know, some people just like chew with nothing in there, or people that tap on the table, like Noemi's been doing most of the interview, or people that play with their fingers. This all burns calories, you know, and <gasps> and they've done a review, and some people burn as much of a difference as two thousand calories. From non-exercise related activity, just from being, you know, overly active. Now, as you start to diet down and you come at a lower and lower body weight, your body doesn't like this, so it starts cutting back these these needs to like you know bounce your leg up and down. It stops you from you know moving your fingers or fidgeting so much. Try to conserve the calories. Now that you mentioned that, because um, <laughs> I remember being super tired towards the end of my diet, I was just like so exhausted. I didn't even want to move. And like now that you notice that I am fidgeting because I am consuming way more carbs and fat than I was before. Getting a live demonstration here. <laughs> yeah, like yesterday I hit almost 15,000 steps. Whereas before that was like a huge uh, hurdle for me to get to. I was like averaging like 7,000. So I was just so tired. I was just like, I don't I don't feel like it. Like it, it was like a huge hurdle for me to like get up. Yeah, and your body fights you for sure. You know, maybe at first it's very easy, but at some point your body... Your body doesn't want you to die. And if yeah. you're losing weight, your your body thinks you're gonna you're on your way to die. Yeah, that's pretty much which is a really it's a really honorable thing for your body to do, but then it's not conducive to your goals. Being a team player. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm definitely um so what I'm doing now is trying to increase my calories back up to maintenance, but maintain my weight within one or two pounds and crush some strength goals because when you eat more carbs and fat, it definitely sustains and fuels your workouts. Uh, you can still train hard in a caloric deficit. Don't get me wrong. Like when uh, that competition I did in, in um, upstate and barefoot, um, I won that one. And um, I was consuming around 1,500 calories or so around that what time. What some of the numbers you did to win? I forgot. Oh, I did like 300 squats, which I was sore for like a week. I couldn't even walk. I had to Uber everywhere. Um, the way that they did it was that they gave you a specific number to achieve in push-ups, dips, pull-ups. And you had to complete that. All your competitors had to complete that. And if they didn't, then, you know, whoever was the last person standing would win for that round or they'll give you more reps to do. So at first they gave us 10 pull-ups to do. And then if we all did 10 pull-ups, then the next one would be 15. So we all did the 10 and then the next thing was to do 15. But um, if you add that up, that's like 25 pull-ups and I need some time to recover in between that. So I think I got up to like five more. But at that point, the other competitors um, uh, ended up getting off the bar. So let's say like I did 16 pull-ups, I want to say, on top of that. Um, I 
the 300 squats, the dips. I don't remember how much I did just because it was usually competitions will time you. Let's say they'll give you dips, pull-ups, and push-ups. They'll be like, do as many as you can in 90 seconds. This was just like them giving you numbers to perform. But at the end of all of that, I did seven muscle-ups, which I'm really proud of. That was my max overall, having done all the other stuff. So usually muscle-ups I'll do at the beginning of my training since it takes so much energy to do. But um, they, the barefoot competition ended up leaving the muscle-ups at the end, which I was a little afraid of, but I ended up crushing it. I was just so proud of myself, and I won first place in that. And, you know, I trained really hard for that competition. I was consistent. I was training as the best that I can, and I'm just really proud of all the gains I've made in the last two years. Yeah, you did amazing, and it's been amazing watching you transform. Thank you. From uh, someone who I felt like was half fascinating, lacking a bit of self confidence. Yes. To someone who's much more confident, uh, along with the skill set and the strength. Yeah, for sure. And um, last week, uh, or last weekend, I competed in my first freestyle competition, which I was nervous about, but I would never have done two years ago. Um, I think I whispered to you randomly, like, or not whispered, but like, you know, said it in a low voice after you were like, oh, you, I did like a set of like pull-ups and you were like, oh, that was pretty good, Noemi. That's really great. And then I was just like really low, um, you know, yeah, one day I'd like to compete <laughs> thinking that you weren't going to hear me, but then you turned around and you're like, I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. You totally should go for it. And then from that day, I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work towards that goal someday. And, um, yeah, it just felt really good to see things go back full circle where you say something and you actually make it happen. Because a lot of times we say things and then time passes and nothing changes. And that's one of my biggest fears is just saying things and then not following through. So I've done a lot of that in, in the past in college. And, you know, I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for your self-confidence. It just makes you feel like, OK, I say things and I never follow through. And just to be able to say, like, I have power with my words. When I say I'm going to do something and I end up doing it, it just makes me feel overall good about myself and good about the future. Um, don't like to compare myself to anybody other than who I was in the past. Uh, 2017, Noemi could barely pull over, didn't have a muscle up, didn't have a handstand, had like a few pull-ups, a few push-ups, and more or less some confidence it was okay it was like all right like i had the confidence to go to a park full of guys by myself on saturdays and and didn't know anybody so you know you have to have some guts to do that but um i knew that by going i'm gonna change my life so again you have to do things that you've never done before in order to get things you haven't done and um, i just had to get over everyone's opinion of me or if i was a tomboy or whatever if i was a weirdo i was like you know what i'm coming here to get strong and be a better person myself better person for myself and i met so many girls through this now just because you know we all feel the same thing sometimes we're just like oh you know those guys are so strong i can't even do this and then you kind of you know you talk yourself out of things and i feel like that's super sad because we should be able to talk ourselves into doing things and, you know, just let other people tell you no before you say no to yourself, you know? And even then, if someone tells you no, you tell them, you know, F you, I'm going to do this anyway and prove them wrong, which I did multiple times. Awesome. So that was so beautiful. Well said. We're going to end on that motivational note. Noemi, where can people follow you and learn more about you and see what you have to offer? So I'm super active on Instagram. You can find me at Henry. So that's E-M-I-V-H-E-N-R-Y. 
Um, you can also catch me putting a lot of things on my stories on how to do a pull-up, how to do a muscle-up, a bunch of tutorials, and my journey. I'm working on the press handstand right now. I'm working on becoming better at freestyle. And I'm also writing a book on how to get started in calisthenics, specifically for women. Um, and this book is very dear to my heart. I, I'm writing it practically for myself. I wish I had this when I first started calisthenics. I'm going to be writing exact programs, how I train, adding some exercise science into it as well as, you know, my personal story and how I started my journey. I want to share all of that with you guys and um, I hope you guys like it. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Thank you, beautiful people, for tuning in. Stay tuned for the next episode of Boss Talk Podcast and peace and have a lovely day. Peace out. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, head over to barstars.com and pick up a piece of merchandise. We have apparel, t-shirts, uh, joggers, sweaters. We also have resistance bands that could also be used for assistance if you're learning calisthenic movements like the front lever, one arm pull-up, or the muscle up. Also have different affiliate products on the page. Any purchase goes to supporting the show and making sure we could get out good quality content for you guys. And we hope brings pleasure and value to your life. All right, peace.